Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Miguel Balanceran. I'm a fourth year medical student here at NSUMD. Uh, today, well, welcome to another episode of Sink or Swim podcast. Um, today, we'll be talking about transition points in medical school, and I have two guests with me today. Robert Trentrell and Justin Mark, both my fellow M4 students and close friends. Uh, if you guys want to introduce yourself a little bit, where you're from, etc., and then we'll get started. Hi, everyone. My name is Justin Mark. Um, I'm a native of New Jersey, but I've been in South Florida since 2001. I went to high school in Lake Worth, Florida, Park Vista High School. I attended college at Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton. My journey to get to medical school has been very difficult, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, Miguel, thank you for having me on the podcast. And Rob, take it away. My name is Rob. I am a also a fourth year student here. I am originally from South Florida, West Palm Beach, and then I went to undergrad up at University of Florida. I graduated in chemical engineering, uh, and at that time I kind of had a brief stint, not brief, but a stint in uh, working as an engineer, mainly up in Chicago. I kind of reshifted focus to, I guess, going into medical school, and we'll get into that as well. So yeah, so yeah, so we all got pretty different experiences. Um, I got to Florida in '09, then I did my undergrad here in Miami Shores at Barry University, and then just came straight through to to Nova um, without a gap year, and then started medical school. So, um, yeah, so let, let's get started with one of you guys, and then talk about you know how you got to med school, uh, what what obstacles you found in between, and then see what are the transition points we can discuss. Uh, within med school itself. So why don't we get started with Rob? All right, yeah, so medical school was definitely something I always wanted to do, so that made it, it gets easier when I was working on getting in, but going from the undergrad directly into the workforce, kind of had a, it had a difficult, it was, di it was different than what you normally see, being a non-traditional student well, you have to, I guess, refocus what it is that you're doing. You go from undergrad to the workforce to medical school again. It's kind of two separate transition points as opposed to just going from school to school. So it's a little different in that way. You, you kind of got to get your mental capacity more. Right, because you're, you're studying and you're working and back to studying. Right. What, right. So it's weird. When did you know you wanted to go to medical school? Like in the workforce or right before? So it was well, well before. Oh, okay. When I was a kid, I kind of wanted to emulate my dad, as like most boys do, and he's a doc, so I kind of always wanted to be a doc, but when I got to UF, I did the biology degree thing, and I was like, let's go to med school. And then I asked myself what I was going to do with the biology degree if I couldn't get into med school. I see. Or didn't want to go to med school. So I decided to change to something that was a little bit more marketable. And I was a chemical engineer, finished that out, and was offered a job. And I kind of took the money and ran. There as, you go. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to doing the med school thing, taking a gap year, doing the med, uh, MCAT, doing research. And then I got into the workforce and realized that what I was doing was not what I wanted to be doing. Mm. It was relatively unfulfilling. And um, I just didn't, I didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like getting up, going to work. Yeah. How long do you, do you do that for after your undergraduate, um, yeah, after you completed undergraduate school? 
so I completed undergrad in 2013, and then I worked until, like, say 2018, so like five years. So like, yeah, so like five years, okay. Yeah. And then I bounced from that job to a master's program to research to uh, another job after the research that was research-focused, then to med school. So you really, what I noticed was being from the workforce is you had to really commit yourself. You find a lot of resilience and the dedication almost. You got you can't go from nothing has been set up for you really when right. you're outside the, the outside of school going back into school. With everything beforehand you're setting up for your career. You kinda of have to change a lot, a lot. And your journey to medical school or journey to any kind of uh, profession after or any kind of schooling after a specific profession, you got to put a lot of time in. Yeah, because you yeah you initially did biology mm-hmm. and you did chemical engineering and you worked on that for several years. So coming back to the track of getting into med school, I mean especially like coming back to all that studying from back then it was definitely a, a struggle. I assume. Yeah, it was it was it was tough. Um, something I noticed though, moving from I'm sure Justin can attest to this too. If you want to piggyback this, but coming from the workforce and then going back into school when you had to really dedicate yourself to trying to get into school, you're not really burnt out coming into school. It's a new thing. The transition allows you to see it from a different perspective almost. You're not really in it. You had taken a step back. You see what you really want, and then you get in it, and that gives you the motivation or a lot of motivation. I see. So when you started medical school, you were like you had more information like, yeah, this is what I want to do. You know, this is where I'm at, and then you, you didn't feel like, I've been working for several years, I'm kind of tired. You were like, more energized, let's do this. Big time. Good, man. You really have to, you have to want it. Yeah. You can't just, like, scuttle into yeah. this. And, and your master's wasn't, you mentioned research in your master's? It was a biotechnology degree. It was okay. largely a post-bac program, which is really just a way for people to build their resume for medical school. And... You know, I guess and now you're here. Now I'm here. Yeah, so we all started medical school in 2019. So now we're in fourth year. Yeah. All right. Well, let's switch gears to to Justin here. Justin, tell us tell us a little bit about your journey to medical school, and Absolutely. and you know um, what you think of uh, some of the stuff that Rob said. Yeah, definitely. No, I echo a lot of what Rob said. Uh, for me, my journey has been extremely difficult. I'm not even gonna sugarcoat it. So I graduated college back in 2012. Um, I knew I always wanted to be a doctor since I was a kid. Um, I did middle school, I did high school with that aim in mind. Oh, even even back to middle school, wow. Yeah, I, had, I knew I wanted to be a doctor early on. And it's interesting because I don't have any physicians in my family. Um, I'm even the first person in my family to go to college. So I don't know where this all started from. I just, over time, developed a passion for medicine, for science, for the human body. And I knew becoming a doctor would allow me to put all of that together. So I had a lot of success in undergrad. Um, I was one of the top people in my class. Um, I did pretty good on the MCAT the first time I took it. I applied. Um, You know, I never anticipated not getting in. Um, I think a big part of that was a little bit of immaturity on my part because I had a lot of success. Um, And not getting in the first time, it humbled me very quickly. So I found myself at a breaking point and I asked myself, how badly do I want this? And at that point, the answer was, I want this really badly. 
So I decided to take another application cycle, mm -hmm. go through the process again, and sure enough, I didn't get in once again. So at this point, again, I asked myself, what am I doing? At the same time, I was getting older and I knew I had to support myself somehow, so I got a job. And what started off as a little part-time tutoring gig turned into a full-time teaching mm, I um, see. position. So basically, I had spent, it, it was like 40-something hours a week tutoring, teaching at a non-traditional academy where, you know, a lot of these kids, high school kids were pre-med or had, you know, pre-med track in mind. Um, I was essentially helping these kids get into medical school while I was having difficulty getting into medical school myself. So I had done this for many years after medical school. It was in 2015, actually, when perhaps the most influential uh, person came into my life, and that would be my now wife. Um, the first day we met, I'll never forget it. She asked me, obviously, tell me a little bit about yourself or whatever. And <laughs> I said... Like an interview question, tell exactly, me about yourself. Exactly. <laughs> and... Uh, I had told her about my journey and she immediately looked at me and she's like, you can't quit, dude. Admittedly, I was going to quit. And, you know, Rob got his biotech degree. That was my plan, actually, at this point, because I had gone through multiple cycles. I was ready to give up. Hey, maybe this isn't for me. Hey, maybe this is a sign from above. Like, maybe I'm not supposed to be a doctor. And when I told my wife, Catherine, this, she basically called me an idiot. The first night we met, I was talking, I don't know, something about the heart. Um, I've always wanted to be a cardiologist and for whatever reason the first day I met my wife my future wife I started talking about the heart and she told me how I was just oozing passion for medicine And she's like you idiot. You can't quit. You can't do anything but medicine. You were meant to do this So I really took that to heart and ultimately I went through yet another application cycle Third times the charm, right? That's what we were thinking To make a long story short. I didn't get in Okay, so, so that was yet another cycle that so I didn't get in. Three three cycles in, yes. you you didn't get in the third time. Correct. But you're still. Did did you feel like a reignition of that passion for medicine once your wife told you, or you you were in the back of your mind like I'm gonna try this at some point later on? Um, she definitely reinvigorated my passion for medicine. Okay. Like I said, um, my teaching uh, experiences, I love doing that. At the same time, I felt in the back of my head like maybe I should be doing more. Maybe, you know, I, I should still be pursuing medical school. But all that failure, it gets to you. And it right. makes you question exactly who you are as a person. What do I really want? But yet when I met her, she definitely reinvigorated all of it again. She started, you know, getting all those thoughts moving in my brain again. And I mean, I went through another cycle. Didn't get in. Um, and then at that point, I was... 20 late 20s and I'm like you know what I'm gonna just go to the Caribbean because I'm getting older and I need to I need to get started with my career so it was 2017 okay and I had started at Ross Medical School in the Caribbean and had studied been studying for my first exam for the first two weeks everything was going well um, the adjustment period it was tough, and if you want, we can talk about that as well. Um, but essentially, two weeks into the semester, I was getting ready to take my first exam, and Hurricane Maria decided to pay the island. Hurricane Maria. Where, where's, where's Ross University? Ross exactly? is in Dominica. Dominica. And then Maria, Dominica. Maria went 
very close to there or through there. Oh, it went straight through. It went straight through there. The Got entire it. eye passed right over the tiny little oh, island man. of Dominica. So okay. it was a Category 5 hurricane. I think the winds were like 160-something miles an hour. Wow. Um, the entire island was destroyed. The school destroyed. And ultimately, I made a very difficult decision to withdraw from the medical school mm. and re-pursue yet another application cycle so here in the United your, States. Okay. So you're... Your fourth cycle here in the United States. Correct. Got it. Correct. So um, at that point, my old MCAT had expired, and I had to come back and study for the MCAT yet again. Right, because there are, the, I forgot the numbers, like three years or so. Three years, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So imagine having started medical school after all that. And then stop. Having to come back and restudy for the test that you need to get into medical school. Uh, a very hard test. <laughs> yes. Okay. And then you made it here. And then somehow I made it here. Uh, okay. Somehow. And four years later, now you're, you're an M4 student about to start residency in a few months. Correct. I feel like there's always a couple people like that. It's not uncommon to see someone who failed the cycle once, twice, three times, four times. Yeah. Whatever I mean, I am. And the, the different journeys that you hear from medical school, it's just, they're, they're so varied, you know? Yeah. And the failure does, it's got to build you. It I mean, does build. It fortifies you. For I mean, sure. it's definitely a testament to your will mm -hmm. to want to become a doctor, right? Because mm -hmm. you weren't like a, an undergraduate student anymore saying, I want to be a doctor. Because a lot of undergrad students say that. But you're like, I want to be a doctor. You know, like you really had that in mind. And then so, yeah. One, so. one of my first, uh, actually my very first cycle was very similar. I also didn't get in. But the school that I interviewed at, I asked them what was going on. The one school, my first cycle, I asked them why not. And they told me because my grades weren't good, I didn't have any clinical experience, my MCAT was not good, and I didn't have any kind of research projects. Mm -hmm. I was like, there's four four things, gotta do that. And I went and did it, all of them. And they, they interviewed me the next cycle and still denied me. Oh man, okay. So failure is real before getting into school. Absolutely. And once yeah. you get here, if you didn't fail, maybe it's different for those people. Maybe it's harder for them to deal with the first couple months of medical school because the first couple months of medical school is largely a failure. Like a 70% on a test is a thumbs up, you know? Yeah, yeah. That. We'll get into that. Yeah, you, you definitely have to reshape your idea of if I'm doing well. Exactly. <laughs> like for us, success was squeaking by while putting our all into something. And we're cool with that once we, we yeah. get into school. Yeah, uh, well, let's get into that. I just have a quick question before. So, Justin, uh, back to medical school, wanted to have thoughts of being a doctor. Uh, how about you, Rob? How early on did you were thinking I want to pursue medicine? It was early, but it, was a, it wasn't a passion. It was something that I was just kind of going towards. Very similar to Justin, the first 18 years, 20, 22 years, really, my life kind of were easy. Um, and I didn't really think too much about what I wanted to do. I just thought I wanted to be a doc. So let's go be a doc. And yeah. I put a lot of thought into it. Yeah, and yeah. once college rolled around and the engineering situation rolled around, things obviously changed and I challenged myself as to why, what I wanted to do forever. That was early. Yeah, and I, and I hear you guys are both here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, with that being said, you know, let's let's talk about what beginning in medical school is like uh, especially you know you guys since you guys took uh, several years uh, off being in the study track for med school 
Um, just a little brief about me. I, I came, I finished undergraduate in 2019 and then started med school in 2019. So I, Good for you. we can all talk. No, no, no. I, I like this. We can all talk about our perspectives. Uh, I want to hear how you guys, what medical school felt like initially. I know we went through it together, but it's been a few years. So, you know, let's, let's just go over that stuff again. Um, I think for me, having the previous medical experience, even though it was two weeks, it did help me transition a little bit more smoothly. Um, I, you know, when I was at Ross, I was studying 10, 12 hours a day for the first two weeks. So that helped to preview and prepare me for what was to come. Also, my background in teaching full time, the, a lot of the material that we learned in the first semester, I really had been keeping current with it through my teaching. So to be honest, my transition it wasn't as difficult as some others who may have been out of school for a while, although you still quickly learn that the amount yeah. of material that comes at you in first semester is it's, insane. It's a lot, yeah. So, you know, one week of material, the first week of med school is equivalent to like, I like don't a, know. Like a month in undergrad. Exactly, a month or two of undergrad. So, you know, it was, it was both easier, but at the same time, it was still very challenging to adjust. Yeah, coming from a position where you don't really do anything with your brain for a while, it's definitely different. You get, I mean, studying for the MCAT, you obviously, you have to really put a lot of time in and being a part of a program, like a master's program, you got to put a lot of time in, but it's nothing compared to the first couple months of medical school, obviously, as we've all you know had different experiences with, but all kind of understand. Now... It's the, what I keep harping on, but it's true, it's the idea that you shift from something you don't want to do to something you really want to do, and that just motivates you. You almost feel galvanized to be better, to study more, to not care about how hard it is. Medical school's tough. You tell anybody, first couple months, like, you're you might cry, you'll probably cry, because failure (laughs) has to be completely reshaped, and success has to be completely reshaped. You're not going to get all your questions right. You're probably going to get most of your questions wrong. Oh, yeah, med-, med school reshapes your idea of hard work, like at least studying-wise, Certainly. you know, and and your idea of success studying-wise because, you know, undergraduate, you know, especially if you're like highly successful undergraduate student. I, I wasn't highly successful um, like the first year and a half of my undergraduate career, but, you know, there are kids that go through undergraduate to have very high GPAs, 3.8s, 3.9s, right? And then they get to medical school and it's like, okay, I'm used to getting A's. And now I'm getting a low C. So you, it reshapes your, your idea of success. So, um, yeah. What I like about it, too, is all the, like, you, like you said, you can be a really good student, really average student. And also you can get into a medical school being a poor student. People might just like you. You mm-hmm. kind of slip by whatever. But it's the, it's the great like, trial medical school because mm-hmm. everybody just comes together into like, ground level. They don't care where you started. We are now all the same, so I think a lot of people have to have to deal with that differently. Yeah. Because some people, from being an undergrad, they it, it was always tough, so they're always climbing from the ground level. Some people were always in the mountains, so you you have to you have to change a lot. Yeah, no, you get better as time goes. I mean, we started medical school in the pre-COVID era, so we all had our labs together. We had our practice of medicine sessions together. We had all all lectures together, exams together, all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, what What do you think felt easiest then about 
starting medical school? What would you say? Um, I think uh, for me, at least, aside from the study material, the three of us and others, we became very close very quickly. And I think having each other around us really helped to adapt to the rigors of medical school. We always pushed each other. We always saw how much success we were all having. And that kind of inspired me to push forward. Um, also, for me, just thinking back to my journey and how far I've come, I realized there's nothing that's ever going to stop me from doing this. I've made it this far, but at the same time, this is still the beginning of my journey. And I'm just going to keep going no matter what it takes. And then a residency coming in a few months. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Rob? Something I've noticed was, I, I'm going to echo what you said. I was trying really hard to be a loner in the beginning of medical school. Oh, okay. I just wanted to do it on my own. You know, I got here on my own, let's do it on my own. That's very naive. And you guys forced yourselves into my lives. Yeah. Like, hey, much. man, we're going to hang yeah. out with you. Yeah. And, I, <laughs> and you I, don't have a choice in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had no choice. You know, I would just be sitting somewhere, and it would be the same guys just walking in, sitting down next to me. Or I'd get put in a group chat, and I didn't ask to be whatever but at the time i'm like yeah whatever i'll deal with it looking back it was probably one of the most important parts of medical school because like you were saying mm-hmm. or at least what I'm, I'll, I'll distill it to you really have to believe in yourself mm-hmm. when you're in medical school mm-hmm. but what's arguably just as important is to have a really good support system yeah. you can't do it on your own like your family's around and you can call and stuff but they, they're not in it with you so you have to have somebody that's in it, or you don't have to, but having somebody that's in it with you really close to you, it, it means means a whole lot. So you got to really believe in yourself, and having a support system is big. And don't like try to do it alone. Don't yeah. wolf it. Yeah, yeah. Be a part of a team. No, I, I totally agree with that, man. I, re- I remember, you know, having a support system and, like, even in the beginnings of medical school, when you all you want to do is study and like show that you can do it, you even have to like sometimes take a few, some time off, you know, like a day or so and relax. Like I remember, like a few weeks or a few months into medical school, I remember getting more easily irritated by people. Like someone, I was already you know asleep, and someone would come and say something, and I just feel the irritation building in my head, like ah. Uh, you know, and it was just it's all the frustrations. I out I just somewhere. I just record <laughs> yeah exactly. I just recognize that. Like, I'm just going hard for so long, you know, you can only keep up that pace before it catches up with you. And you see it, out and, and, you know, for, I saw it in myself, like, wow, my patience went down quite a bit in terms of, like, how quickly it got for me to be irritated. Um, I think that happens to a lot of people. Definitely. I think that's why, what I said, you get to medical school, you, people, like, cry. People throw things. People change the way that they behave during trial or adversity. Yeah. Like I was trying to say earlier, it's a great equalizer. You're just now ground level. Yeah, and that, that's where the first course day was supposed to put us all on uh, an equal footing. Yeah. And it did. It sure did. <laughs> and it did. Uh, okay. You learn a lot about yourself, too. It's wild. I love it. As you go through medical school, you learn a lot about yeah. yourself. Like, more than you thought you would at each step. Yeah. Like fundamentals was, you, you think to yourself, fundamentals is it. Like, yeah. I'm done with fundamentals. That's it. And then... You're not done. Yeah, fundamentals <laughs> is the, the first course of medicine. But it felt like such a big milestone. Like we all look forward to the end of fundamentals and it's like, oh my God, it felt like we finished half of med school. It's like, hello, this is the first course. You know, you're not even done with the semester. Yeah. But it definitely felt like a big milestone. I would agree. Another really big milestone for me at least was the step one. I don't know if you guys feel the yeah, same. Yeah, I think that was the next great huge, milestone. Huge milestone. 
from like one to two, there's not really a big jump. Yeah. You just yeah. kind of continue. I mean, CPR was a tough course, but we all looked forward to yeah. it. Not really a milestone. But that's another trial is the step one. Oh, and, you know, for people to know, we were, the class of 2023 was the last class to get a numerical report for the step one. So after that, it was pass and fail. Right. So we, we all definitely took the exam as if, you know, you got to try your best to, to get a high score on it. Yeah, and I think that was to our benefit, personally. Yeah. While we might have grinded a lot harder than the classes after us, we are, I don't want to say better for it, because they'll, they can be just as good as us, no issue, mm-hmm. but we were required to be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we it didn't was, do well, it was... You knew it was coming. It was right there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely looks different than a, than a pass or fail. Yeah. Um, uh, when do you guys feel... Um, that you had a pretty firm grip of handling medical school. Never, still not. <laughs> still not. <laughs> I think you're always learning. I think you're always adapting to new situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going from year one to year two, you get into your groove. You figure out how you're going to study. You figure out what works, what doesn't work, and then finishing step and moving into the clinical years. It's it's a big transition point as well. So yeah, now you're one. you're taking all of that information that you've acquired over the years, but now you're in front of people, you're in front of patients who are sometimes at their worst. You know they're very sick, and you know you're just a third year medical student, but they're still seeing you as part of their healthcare team. So it's it's finding that that way to take that knowledge, that, that rote knowledge that you had acquired over those years and converting it into practical terms and being able to impact somebody's life for the better. So for me, that was the most exciting part of my journey into medical school and continuing into medical school. Eventually get it to see the patients and not just like the classrooms. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I will say, I think that well, two to three were big. It was a huge transition point, obviously. Yeah. I think that there are many transition points throughout medical school. Yeah, I agree. Like the whole four years. And what's an important thing about that is there's no comfort. There's always going to be a change. There's always going to be something new. You go from fundamentals to hematology to gyner to CPR to... And this all happens within eight weeks of each other. And they're all so different, obviously connected. But when you're a first, second year student, you don't know. Yeah, you remember those times? Like we were doing practice questions and you had to ignore 75% of the questions them and focus on like the 20% you knew. Yeah, and it was was tough because you think that it's just such a huge leap from one system or one block to another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you get into third year. And not only are you leaping from a technical to a practical aspect mm-hmm. of, of medicine, but now you're also leaping from discipline to discipline. Yeah. You're doing medicine, surgery, the, uh, site, right. the it's, primary. It stops being uh, like organ-based. I was studying the didactic years, and then it becomes more like internal medicine, surgery, obstetrics yes. uh, and gynecology, etc. And what okay. I found to be really, at least now looking back, really beneficial about that was it was a lot of strife for me personally to have those big transition points or even many transition points because there's no routine really in medical school there you have to give yourself a common thread i think that's really important our common thread is studying you just kind of put your head down study study with a certain uh program whatever it might be um we obviously all use donkey 
So that was kind of a common thread, I would say, almost. And we were also a common thread, a support system. But it teaches you how to be adaptable. You have to be adaptable in school. It, from eight weeks of medicine to eight weeks of surgery, it's like night and day. And you yeah. have to be able to switch. Like I, w- I would say like third year is probably the hardest year I agree. of medical school. Even though like I hear often that first year is the hardest. But because I mean we're not used to it. But I feel like third year really squeezes like the most out of you. You know, because just transitioning to your clerkship years, now you have to like perform well, mm-hmm. you know, present patients well, do your good HMPs. But then you have studying after your clinic day or your hospital day is over, right, for for the shelves. And you have to do good on those. And you have to get good evaluations. And you have to keep step two in the back of your mind. And you have to start still continue moving towards residency. And you have to have a good life and wellness and yeah. try to keep that going. <laughs> and you have to do everything. There's not enough time, man. There's not enough time for anything. <laughs> we, we need 48-hour days. <laughs> yeah. And what I've realized about there not being enough time for anything is things fall off on accident. Things will just be put on the back burner. Like, I thought I really liked working out. <laughs> Guess I don't as much. That changed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, not, that's okay. You just yeah. don't notice when it's happening because one thing is the most important thing, and that's your career. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. Yeah, medical school really forces like your discipline, time management, and how adaptable you have to be. Yeah. Like transitioning from didactic, studying for step one, which was in itself, like step one, up to step one, I would study for a specific block. You know, I'm doing uh, brain, body, and behavior. But step one was like, hold on, now you got to put everything you've learned the last two years together and take one test for it. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was a huge milestone because it, I think... If studying well for step one, at least for my experience, set me up pretty well in my third year because I didn't have to uh, study as much on third year for things that I knew well, if that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. I could focus on the next step of third year, which usually is like, what are you doing now for the patient? What's the next step in management, right? Mm-hmm. And then you can work on honing your presentation skills and just getting to see how the specialty work in general and not worrying about like, how to diagnose necessarily like heart failure because you studied that for quite a bit in for step one. Yeah, it's it, it's wild how trend, how step one is the big transition point, and that's that's also kind of another equalizer. I think step one because at least for me, I mean, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but step one was tough for me. I did yes. well. We all did well. But I didn't do as well as I wanted. And I think that that probably tracks throughout school mm-hmm. uh, or throughout everybody. Maybe not. Who knows? But I, it really like kind of hit me pretty hard that I didn't do as well as I wanted. Mm. Like harder than I wanted it to hit or harder than I would have expected it. And that was a really hard for me going into third year because not only was I now downtrodden because of my quote-unquote poor performance on step one to your to your own standards to your own standards to my own standards but i also had to now go into something that i fully didn't know what to expect either so i think the the thing behind that is don't take these things too seriously because you you worked hard you got you got your score move on yeah same thing with internal medicine or your surgery rotation. You don't think you're doing well, you're probably doing fine. Just move on, 
You also have people with you to help support you. Don't worry. They're going to pick up any quote unquote slack that you left. Just move on. Keep, keep, keep on keeping on. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. And that's what I'm trying to internalize. You have to keep going. I mean, for me, kind of similar to you, Rob, like I had built up a number in my head and admittedly, I didn't reach that number. Um, but for me, going into the third year and going going into the clinical setting, it kind of made all of that go on the back burner for me. Because as I was touching upon before, we're not in this to get a score. We're in this because we want to help people. We're in this because we want to be doctors and we want to be the best doctors that we can possibly be. So jumping into the clinical experiences pretty fast, pretty quickly after step one, helped me to forget about all of that. And it kind of reframed everything for me. It allowed me to see the bigger picture. Why am I really doing this? And that kind of put a chip on my shoulder going into third and fourth years. It pushed me to be even better in the clinical setting. Like I completely dedicated myself to my patients, to being a helpful member of the healthcare team, doing whatever I could possibly do, uh, and just making a good impression clinically uh, because that's ultimately what it's all about. Yeah. I totally agree. And just like you said, it's that's what we're here for. That's 100% what we're here for. The issue is that the first two years of medical school, you feel like the only thing you're there for is to get a good score on step grades. one. Or to get good grades. Yeah, good grades and a good yep. step one score, yeah. Nobody really, unfortunately, the third and fourth year really separated from the first and second year, both in the way that you work and also who you work with. Yeah. So it, it's really hard to see up when you're a first and second year, so you don't get a lot of that perspective. But it's it, it's a huge mark, it's a huge transition point, because not only are you now being evaluated on how you take care of patients as opposed to how good you are at heart failure, but you have to, you have to also reshape what those grades mean. It's no longer didactic. It is now something that you're graded on how you almost how you interact with people. It's weird. Yeah. What, what rotations do you guys uh, transition to beginning third year? How's I am? I started with psychiatry. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I started with surgery. That's um, a big start. <laughs> it, it was it was a big start, but it was, it was super cool because I remember seeing my first patient and I was thinking in my head, okay, this is a real patient who may need surgery, who may have to open their, their belly, you know, or, or do something. So uh, I'll never forget that feeling that, you know, because in first, second years, you're mostly studying for a question stem on a computer screen. Right. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, okay, now I really have to pay attention to physical exam signs on a real person. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to like take into account like real procedures are being done on them, not just what's being said on a computer screen mm-hmm. to get a good score, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like you guys were mentioning. Yeah. It, it's cool. I think it's really cool because uh, like Rob was saying, we all did Anki. So here we are every day pounding away at the space bar for hours upon hours learning all of these facts. But transitioning into the third year of medical school, these facts come alive and you see, you know, your Anki card in the patient that's in front of you. So you're, you know, distilling all of the the signs and symptoms of a disease that you've been studying on a computer screen. And like you said, here it is yeah. right in front of you. Like that was, that was pretty cool. That was so cool. Because you think to yourself, I'm never going to see pancreatitis. Yeah. <laughs> you see it a lot. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot of similarities and that really surprised me, man. I, I saw so many weird things in question times. I was like, I'm not going to see this many problems in a patient. But I actually found real life to be more surprising. Because mm-hmm. I saw 
I saw patients that you would never make a make a question stem out of because there's just so many things going on. You know, that and you see patients that don't have the quote unquote quintessential traditional didactic diseases. It's like I don't know. You don't you don't learn about acute metabolic encephalopathy and all the things that can cause it as a like in didactic years. You kind of study that your third year. Mm-hmm. That's just something new that comes up. So a lot of new things come up that you might have thought you weren't, you didn't need, or you, like your studying was over, or whatever. Now I just have to kind of found, I gotta build upon a foundation. No, you're still building that foundation in third yeah, year. And yeah, I, yeah. I think that's lost a little bit from the transition to second to third year, because you're told that step two is kind of just an extension of step one, which it is yeah. to an extent, but you can't just, you can't hang your hat on that. Because you're still building foundation, it's why you don't see it until you're in it. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, you know, the, the the clerkship years really hammer in like always. What's the next step, kind of thing. So like for step one, I wasn't thinking like, is it now time to get a CT scan? You know, and that's where like the clerkship years were really better at because now you have all these facts in your head, and and you know you think you feel pretty well about like how organs work and how diseases work, and then now it's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? Okay, you're gonna get a CT scan now. Are you gonna get an ultrasound? Are you taking them straight to surgery? You know, so third mm-hmm. year made us think about that a, a lot more. It's building the clinical reasoning. Yes. Clinical, yes. Building there you go. Foundation. More clinical thinking. And you know, Rob was saying you build a foundation in third year, but in medicine, I feel like you're always building a foundation. Uh, you're always striving to get better, trying to learn more, trying to stay current with the, you know, the new trial that came out last week. So. Medicine never stops. It never, <laughs> it never stops. You never stop learning. I mean, I'm on an ID rotation right now. I'm sure you can attest to it having just finished your, your IM. Yeah. But it, the doc that I'm working with is telling me things that I could have never known. He Like, you would have to dig for days to just find this one fact. Yeah. And he knows it. Yeah. And that's obviously from years of training. But we got to use the people that we work with to gain knowledge from them. And sometimes that's hard. It because is. you don't want to talk to your surgery preceptors a lot of the time because they're just mean to you. Or you don't want to talk to anybody who is just like kind of giving you a, just a bad, bad vibes or you don't like being around them or whatever it is. But you just, you got to grind it out because that's part of medical It's part of the learning, yes. It's part, it's of, part learning. of the learning experience. Just because you don't like somebody or the way you interact with them, the way they interact with you, doesn't mean they can't teach you something. And that's what we're all here to do. Yeah. What, so just grind it. Grind it. Just yeah. keep going. Yeah. Just keep going. <laughs> Medicine keep, keeps you humble because, um, or at least it looks like it should because, you know, you you think you know stuff and then it's just like a whole sea of, of new information. Yeah, and you'll, you'd never expect it. You never catch up, really. You can't. You try. Well, that's why we specialize because you can't just, you can't, you, know be a, you can't be a surgeon, a cardiologist, a pulmonologist. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least now with all the information that's coming out today, right? And like what Justin was saying with all the new trials, all these, There's all this information is based off of something that could have happened yesterday. Yeah, new medications, new, new procedures, yeah. everything. And all these landmark trials that we do things of like after because of, they didn't come out long ago. Yeah. They're all relatively new. By relatively, I mean within our time lifetimes. You know, I saw an Instagram thing the other day where, you know, there's law precedent from before we were a country that we still follow. And if we if we follow medical acumen from like the 1990s that's seen as 
changes. Yeah. It's wild how much this whole field changes. And I know it was a joke, obviously, but there's truth in it. Yeah. That's, that's uh, the, the the clinical trial part. It's also another thing of third year. Like, uh, first, second year, I don't, I didn't usually, I didn't think in my head, you know, oh, this information is coming from research clinical trials. I just saw it in a textbook and I just took it for granted. But then third year, you're like, okay, this treatment information, you actually do want it to come from a trial. That's what it uh, studies if the medication actually does its intended purpose or not, right? Mm-hmm. And see what, you know, how if patients truly benefit or not, right? Yeah. Evidence-based medicine. And that's why research is so important. Yeah. And you don't think that also in your first couple of years. Yeah. You think, I just have to do research because to, my discipline says I need 5.75 publications yeah. before I can get in, blah, blah, blah. But it's important. And even case reports are important. Things that are just rare that you can tell people about. It's all about the community. Just tell people about what you see, what yeah. you found. It's all a team. Medicine, as far as I'm concerned, is a team. Treated oh, yeah, them. no, definitely. Medicine is it's a teamwork. Yeah, of course. Not only that, but when you get involved in these types of projects, it encourages your own critical thinking, and it encourages you to think about things in a different way, to um, you know see a different perspective. You have this rare case before you, a patient comes in with nausea and vomiting, you're going down the list, okay, do they have cholecystitis, do they have pancreatitis, you know, these very common diseases. Food poisoning. Food poisoning, <laughs> you know, these things that you see on your own. Medication side effect. boring. And then you're like, oh man, this is a rare disease. So it's, you know, it exposes yeah. you to a lot. Mm-hmm. There's some diseases that I've never even heard of until I got to like, um, Third year and residents haven't heard of like, you know, like Castleman's disease for hematology. Never heard of that yeah. until I was like there. I was like, okay. There's so many things you don't know. I learned that I learned about like uh, the Escarbosa criteria mm-hmm. on my for cardiology cardi- cardiology yes. rotation. Yeah. Right. So you don't learn about that your first two years. There's always just the building. Yeah. You can always go deeper. Yeah. 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 Third year was learning. In third year was more algorithmic than the first. Agreed. First and second year, you had to think more of like criteria, you know, the curve 65 criteria, you got the center criteria, all these different stuff we had to learn mm-hmm. in third year that we just never knew of. In- something, yes, totally. And something I love about medicine, which I'm glad we're talking about this because I forgot, but and I think about it all the time, then you forget about it. You're just like, it's, well, part, of, it's part of your site. Now, now you're thinking about this it. This is why we're here. This is why we're here. <laughs> is, medicine is tough. I'm just going to just blanket that. I think I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) It is not easy. And people who are both way smarter than us and have way more knowledge than us and are just better at us than everything Mm -hmm. still think it's really hard. So what what do you do? What you have to do is make it easy. You have to make it easy. You you just make heuristics. The Centaur stands for something. Curve 65 stands for something. Because you can't know all this stuff off the top of your head. Just give yourself, like you said, an algorithm to learn it or to just know it or to recall it. So you might not even learn it, but you just think, oh, pneumonia, curve 65. Yeah, yeah, no, it, yeah, you have to know it. You got to simplify it. And any guides management later on, you know, like the curve 65, where they're getting admitted for pneumonia or they're going straight to the ICU, all those things. Yeah. Um, and there's that stuff now is for like everything, you know, appendicitis, mm-hmm. all, all all those conditions have scores now. They yeah. have criteria to me. Like something I learned about what can raise LFTs. Oh, that's a lot of things. A B C D E. 
Ah. G H I. I don't even remember them all, but if ah. I like really put in the, the mental energy, which I don't want to do right now, Animonic. I can like remember all of the, I can remember. So it, it, it's cool to think that, to, to think that when everybody is about simplifying, everybody. Like something I learned um, in ID was, I don't know if you guys knew this, but all antibiotics that have two names to it cover anaerobes. That's a good rule of thumb. So like, like Zosin, Pipitazo. Also, all the carbapenems because they're all basically imipenems um, and uh, silacin. They're, they're all basically that. So if you just put all the carbapenems, the two name ones, they'll cover anaerobes. Very nice. Uh, Didn't realize that. Man. Also, if you cover for MRSA, you cover all the grand paws. If you cover for pseudomonas, you cover all the gram eggs. If you cover for B-frag, you cover all the anaerobes. Because those are all like... That's true. Those are the big ones of yeah. their categories. So like you don't have to Marcus put on anything it. else that covers some... Of, like you don't have to do like a, a Rocephin and Zosin. You don't have to do both. You just do one. Because Zosin's already... Or it depends, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man. You learn a lot. Yeah. I tell, I tell you what. And that's what I'm saying about this. You, you just don't even... You could, you could dig for days and not find that mnemonic. Learn that um, memory. Memory palace whatever yeah everybody's learning yeah med med medical school is uh well medicine you know I, sometimes i wonder because uh, sometimes i meet attendings and all residents that they just they just know so much so i just wonder in my head like do we at some point get to a state that we just sort of keep that information permanently and i don't have to like you know try it to always maintain it in me like is there some stuff that will just stay in me that i don't have to revisit it often you know, because some attendings they just they just speak of information as if they've read it once and it's in their head stuck like it won't go away and it's uh, that's super impressive because i can read i mean it depends you know of you as a person you know your intelligence and your memory and all that but i can read a, a whole paper right now and i'll remember some stuff but i'll forget 80 percent of that in, in two days what did Anki tell us? Well, I, that's the thing, but... Repetition. I, I'm just curious, though, if if we ever get to a state like that, or we just always have to, you know, to use the analogy of Anki, we always, we always have to Anki things in, yeah. you know, to, to remember them in. I think that's probably one of the reasons why residency is so long, um, because there's a difference between knowing something, memorizing something, and, you know, as you keep doing something over and over again, it becomes second nature to you. So I think at this point in our careers, we see these attending physicians and we're like, oh, man, how do they know all these things? But you have to remember, they went through all this training as well. They see these things every single day and it just becomes a part of who they are, a part of what they know. Um, so I think we will <laughs> get to that point as well. Um, it's just a matter of space repetition. <laughs> I think that it's also... Um as you say, the space repetition. Yeah. In residency, it's very unspaced, yeah. though, because you do it every day, all day. That's all you do. And I think that's for a reason. It's not to grind us into the ground or make us like upset or like tired. It's because if you're going to take care of patients for the rest of your life, you, you better, better see. Stuff. Yeah, you better yeah. see. Yeah, it's, it's high, high stakes. Mm -hmm. you, you can't, you know, it's not like uh, if you fix a car wrong. Like, yeah, it costs money, but... You know, if you fix the person, a person wrong, there, there, the consequences are much higher. Right. Yeah, and I think another transition, because we're on the topic of this is transition points, is probably intern year to second year, not because you have more responsibility, but because all of the stuff that you saw as an intern 
will probably wind up making you better as a resident. I don't, I don't know. I'm not there. Yeah. But I was, at, I was at Kendall for my very first core clerkship IM in, uh, I guess, May of last year. So I, I saw interns that were just finishing up their intern year. Still didn't know anything. Well, I mean, they knew a lot. They were actually incredibly good residents. So I'm just saying, like, as an intern. They still know, had lots, lots to learn. Lot yeah. Like I said, they're incredible. they were incredible residents. But now I'm seeing them all as third years, leading people, teaching people things that I didn't know that they knew. Maybe they didn't know it in intern year. So there, it's it's crazy to see that you they went from something that is a trainee to something that's a leader in the same field in the same amount of and basically within like less two than years, a year, yeah. yeah, or less than a year and a half. It's it's another transition that I guess I'm trying to get across. Is yeah. In all the years of residency of transitions. Yeah. Well, entering year is uh, it's around the corner for us, so yeah. it's it's definitely gonna transition us to mm-hmm. to residency. You know. And I think you gotta be motivated as an intern to learn a lot too. Yeah. You can definitely skirt by and probably be fine. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not there, but you gotta really be in. Like Justin said, this is your passion. Yeah. This is something that you need to love to do. And if you don't love to do it, you should probably get out. Yeah, medicine. Yeah, medicine is one of those careers, like you know, as an, as an attending. Long term, you may think like, yeah, doctors make a lot of money, but you cannot do medicine thinking of financial rewards only because it it is such a huge sacrifice that you have to have passion for the field to pursue it because you're just otherwise you'll be miserable. Mm-hmm. And like very very miserable, and you and you won't you won't be good at your job, right? Because you, you won't like what you're doing at all, and you're just you're just forcing it in you. And medicine's one of those careers that's just being like, nope, you know, it's it doesn't really work. Exactly, mm-hmm. it's definitely conducive to learning a, a lot about yourself. Medicine is. Um, my ID attending, just, uh, this guy's great, by the way. Obviously, shout out Dr. Hernandez. I yeah, that guy's lit. But he was telling me that you know you make you make a lot of money attending and all that but you don't really have a lot of time so you have to focus the money and your your free time the little free time that you have on the things that you really love yeah things that you really love so he will never get he was, he was saying this like on rounds you'll he'll never get rid of one specific thing in his life and that's his maid every day or every wednesday or something he was saying he'll just come home like a super clean house and he doesn't have to worry about doing all of that stuff. Just pay someone to do it. Right. And so he's, he's taking care of patients in the meantime. Yeah. Exactly. And at any given time, he's just he can spend the time that he has that's free on doing something that he loves to do for people that he loves, with people that he loves. Not laundry. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, you have to you gotta you gotta handpick, you know, the few things you mm-hmm. can put time to. You can't just you can't do everything. And that's kind of what we were saying before about how it's a transition into medical school because mm-hmm. a lot of these things, a lot of things that you thought you loved fall off. Mm-hmm. That's how you mentioned earlier, like working out, I think it fell off for quite a few people yeah. being in medical school. And then yeah. in like a few weeks, months, then you're like, man, I haven't, uh, I need to get back into a, you know, exercise routine. Mm-hmm. That never stops. Things yeah. will fall, things fall off. Things become more important. You have to focus on those. It's, an intern year, it'll probably fall off, right? Intern year, yeah. hygiene might fall off. <laughs> we don't know. Everything falls yeah. off. It's only work. Yeah. You have to learn how to prioritize. You have to learn how to find the balance. That's where time management is huge, man. Like, I, I definitely, you know, in 
in my clinical rotations and away rotations, I met some residents that they were good at their job, but they were very time efficacious. So they said, my duties are done. Okay, now I got to go do my own things, you know, but their duties were done. So they were very under time management rather than just like, yeah, I'll just sit around. I'll get them done eventually. Then I can go on. They're like, no, I'm going to do my things. I'm going to do them right. And I'm going to do the things I want to know. And I think that's beautiful because they're learning more than just medicine. They're learning about how to be happy. Um, When it comes to the time management aspect, you, it's sometimes it's hard because like I said, the things that fall off really aren't time management methods. I don't know. I don't really, I don't really know if what, like if I can put how I manage my time into words, it's weird. Right. Do you like, do you guys, do you guys have like interview questions about how do you manage your time? Like, how do you, have you guys have, had those yet? I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm huge couple, on my, I really don't know how to answer. I haven't had any of those actually. No, no. They're like, so how are you going to, how are you going to manage your time when you're in residency? Most of the time I say, I don't know, just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, just, just, yeah. just work till I drop. Yeah. <laughs> There's no time to think about how I'm going to manage my time. No, I just yeah. gotta do. it's just going to happen. Uh, it's it's going to be fun. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know within yourself when some things are necessary. Like, I know when I've pushed my limit and I need to sleep early, right? Or, mm-hmm. or it's been quite a while since I've worked out, so I need to, you know, maybe uh, not watch, you know, two movies in a week and actually use one of the what you know the time for one of those and go work out right mm-hmm. or get a tea time or get, or a, tea get a golf tea time yes um, the grind the golf is also the grind yes yeah. for all listening like, <laughs> if you yes. want fewer grinds in your life you stay know. golfing in medical school <laughs> okay hey, hold on and we're back all right so hi everybody my name is miguel balanceron this is the second part of the transition points in medical school topic for today I'm back with uh, Robert Trenchel and Justin Mark, my two good friends and fellow M4 students. Um, So yeah, guys, uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about... uh, We mentioned golf. Yeah, we finished with with golf in medical school. There's not a lot of time for golf, but you got to... You got to make the time. You have to make the time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And then we were talking about the hardships from going from second to third year. Mm -hmm. And then I think we finished on some time management. Mm -hmm. And how to how to address that? Yeah, and uh, I think I was mentioning that time management is, uh, at least for me, kind of hard to put into words. Getting a lot of questions about how to, how I manage my time, and I just tell all these interviewers that I don't know, I just kind of do that. So I just time manage. You know, I just manage. I mean, <laughs> I just manage of, time. You kind of figure out how to do it. We we mentioned that a little bit in the first or the first part of this. So just gotta the things that don't matter as much. You're gonna take a back burner and. You'll wind up learning how you learn best, and once you figure that out, both in didactics and during clerkships, just grind that. Yeah, something you just have to jump into it and mm-hmm. just you know, figure it out as it, as it as it comes. You can't just plan for everything. That was really hard to begin medical school, was because you do it is really like drinking water from a fire hose. That analogy is so beat down, but it's true. So you have to figure out how to get as much water as you can. Yeah. And no one can really tell you how to do it. There are definitely um, themes. I tried so studying just, a little bit before medical school, but it was the wrong choice. I yeah. should have taken that time off. Yeah. In hindsight, of course. Take all the time off you can. Yeah. So, so now, this is an interesting point because uh, I feel like after step two and ERA submission, there's this 
period between M4 year and the beginning of intern year where you don't do a lot of studying. But so, yeah, I mean, in hindsight to what we just said, don't study right before med school. What do you guys think you should do like leading up to intern year? I've heard like take it off. I've also heard like stay a little up with, with things. What do you think? So maybe you've heard something different, Justin, but I was told on my ICU rotation in May, my very first, June, sorry, my very first rotation of fourth year, Kennel County Independent Study, that the end of your fourth year, you should take uh, whatever it is you're going into a rotation. That way you're kind of, the skids are a little greased before you show up to intern. Mm. Now, I don't know if I agree with that. That's just some advice I've been given from an ICU resident who became chief, so he probably knows what he's talking about, but. So you're an actual, the, the advice is you and I should probably do an internal medicine rotation right yeah. before we go yeah. into engineer. Okay. And don't fully, I don't disagree with it. it. Yeah, it sounds reasonable. It's just, we'll be doing internal medicine for three years. And right. I don't know if the time is better off, you know, recharging batteries or. Yeah. And I was talking to Mitch about it and he said that when he got to the intern year, like very first couple weeks. People forgot how to treat uh, community-acquired pneumonia. Like you just forget things that kind of show up on a daily basis, and that's okay. But is it better to remember how to treat community-acquired pneumonia, just like as an example, or is it better to just take the time that you have and spend it on yourself? I don't know. I don't know. I suppose it's important that medicine's a team. It's a team game, you know, because. Managing a patient depends on multiple people, so it's not solely relying on you if you don't remember how to treat a certain thing. Because you know, we'll be the interns, then there's upper residents, there's attendings, there's hospitalists, there's specialists. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's about finding the balance. Once again, um, I'm not completely opposed to doing something before starting internship residency, um, but you know, that's probably the only free time you're gonna have again. So. You know, go out, do something that you enjoy, spend time with your friends, spend time with your family. And you're becoming an intern to learn, you know, so. Learn all over again. <laughs> to learn everything all over again. So. I like what you said, uh, that it's all about that balance. You got to find the balance. Balance, man. I got to start. I got to. So do you guys go through life and find things that would sound cool in an interview and try to remember it? That you can use in an interview. You don't do that. Am I the only one doing well, that? Well, yeah, I sort of do that. Like, yeah, yeah. All that balance is gonna be great in my next interview. I'm yeah, excited. you find things. <laughs> and you, yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heard something yesterday about how like being the heartbeat of a team is really important. I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna, I'm stealing that. That's good for cardio fellowships. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been saying uh, why internal medicine. When I'm asked that question, I like being the quarterback of the healthcare. Team. I say that too. Really? As as men who care about their Fantasy football exactly. teams and respective professional teams, then it works. Yeah. You guys are big football fans. Enormous, unfortunately, for both of us. Well, you, especially only recently. Yeah. Yeah. Me, actually. It's yeah. nice. This is your year. This is my year. This got Bradley Chubb. I know. People are talking about it. Yeah, Miami's People's looking good. Super Bowl. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that we were going down the football line here. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so this is another transition. Actually, uh, sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. Go ahead. Before you say that, hobbies are important still. Hobbies are important. Like in med school? In med school. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. You have so to. I uh, would take like Sundays. 
to just watch football. Oh, absolutely. That was like my thing. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we do have a friend, Josh. He made it a thing. I don't know if he still does that. Well, probably not. But he made it a thing definitely the first two years. He always took Sundays off. Yeah. No matter what. Mm-hmm. He was like, Sunday's my day off. Mm-hmm. I'm taking him off. Yeah. Or one day a week off. Something like that. I agree. Church of... I didn't do that. I studied all, all yeah. seven days. All right. There also, real quick, becomes a time when you need to take a day off. When you reach that burnout point, and no matter how much you study, you keep reading the same piece of information that just does not get into your head. And you need to take time away. Otherwise, you're going to go full burnout mode, and you know, you're going to be out a couple of days. You're not going to yeah. do anything. It's That's important good, to identify so, that, too. I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, it's really difficult to... Just put a label on, oh boy, I am really flirting with the line between yeah. burnout here. Yeah. yeah, I feel like there's a, there's like a daily burnout thing, and then there's like you being on burnout for a few weeks or months. And the daily one, I think that's a good marker. Like if you're doing practice questions and you just write the same question five, six times, you should probably go home okay. and call it a day. Yeah. And, you know, for the weeks and months, if you're just underperforming daily every day, then you should maybe, uh, you know, reconsider taking a little bit of time off or... or Manage your time a little better to squeeze in more of the stuff you want to do. Or just take a little break, go to the gym. Yeah. How have you guys seen that burnout manifest manifesting yourselves? Like, is it in tiredness? Uh, you can't concentrate. You're irritable. What is it? All of the above. Yeah, yeah. All of the above. You okay, you need more extra coffee. <laughs> it's it's really hard to identify how your burnout manifests sometimes because. Just most of your negative emotions come out when you are burnt out. Right. It's like it creeps on you. You don't really know when it's in until you're like deep in it, sort of. Exactly. Exactly. So if you're really self-aware and in tune with how you interact with your environment and your people and understand that, then you can probably beat burnout, but everybody's going to at least be there or experience it to an extent. Yeah, that's where having a schedule is so important, man. Like, you know, finishing third year and going on to like right away into a month off of step two studying. Like I made it uh, my decision, like me and Michael, another M4 student. We made it a choice at 5 p.m. We would call it every day and go work out. That's it. That was a rule between us. At 5 p.m. we're done. So that is good having that, you know hard finish line because it may be like 3 p.m. and you're tired okay but i'll be done at five and the, the rest of the day is mine you know until the next day begins but but you know what i mean right like the schedule part can help you out a lot in, in that sense it can and you learn if you're not good at scheduling which to be honest with you i was not coming into medical school mm-hmm. but you it's kind of thrust upon you you get didactics or whatever from 8 to 12 and then you have free time from 12 to the next day so you have to use that properly and you find the best ways to use it early. Mm-hmm. And I guess they will follow you if you don't really do much to, uh, I guess, modify them. But you still have to be cognizant of the fact that the schedule is, the schedule is there for a reason. In the first and second year, use it. In your third and fourth year, too. Yeah. It's pretty well thinking back and realizing how much free time I had in undergrad. I just didn't appreciate it back then. Well, using your free time is different now. Our free, we have a, we had a lot of free time in first and second year. We really did. Yeah, it's like that free time. Studying quote, unquote, time. It's independent study time, and then after that, when we don't have quote unquote independent study time, 
that's your free time that you still use to study. So that the way that I saw it was I was using my free time to study because that's what I wanted to do. I didn't see it as like this is my time to to work, to study, to do school stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of my day, I'm not doing school stuff. I'm just, I want to study, so I'm going to study. And some days it's harder than others to get up and want to study, but you got to want it, I guess is what I'm saying. I mean, it's technically free time. Yeah, I mean, even when you don't want to study, you have to. The medical right. school, it's like, it's just, this is this is what you do now. It's not really, uh, sometimes you don't want to, but, like, you know, fundamentals, like those last three weeks, we were all, like, tired, and it's like, okay, now you, I mean, studying for step one, step two, it's like several weeks going hard. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the, the transition to M4 year. Um, how, you know, how was it for you guys studying for step two? I know, Rob, you got uh, an interesting experience about that. So let's, let's just talk about that transition towards uh, M4. Yeah. I, we all took at least a month off, I think. Mm -hmm. And my month was early. I, I took May off. I think you took May off. I also too, took right? May off. What, you, you took, took May, May off as well, yeah. Justin? Okay, yeah. yeah. So we all took May off to study for step two. Yeah. So I guess this is a testament to adaptability, but I took May off, was doing the study thing, similar to how I studied for step one, was taking tests, didn't like my scores, and I just moved it to the beginning of July. So instead of taking it early June, I moved it 30 days later, and I had to continue studying over the course of an ICU rotation. Yeah, that I was intense. And <laughs> the hospital at 5.30, and I couldn't leave until 6 p.m. And then I would have to come home and spend, obviously, many hours studying while trying to beat sleep. And it, it, was, it, was, it was very hard. But I feel like I wouldn't have been able to get through it had we not had a similar experience with, say, fundamentals, right? When you first get in, you're like, I don't know what to do. This is really hard. I'm, like, not sleeping and... I don't know what's going on, and we're gonna have that a lot, and that happened to me in in June, I guess. But it wasn't new to you. You had already gone through something similar. You right. just knew it was like hard to get through again, and you just had to put your head down and do it. Exactly. So it was it was hard, but it was a manageable difficulty, and I think that's what medical school is teaching us how to conquer are the yeah. manageable difficulties. How about you, Justin? For your step two, did it, you take it at the end of the month? Or? Yeah, so I took step two um, early June. I mean, my study situation was definitely a lot easier than yours, Rob. Um, I essentially just studied all of May and went into the test. So, um, But having finished the rotations and, and knowing that I can dedicate the full month just to step two did a lot for me. Um, so, Rob, I give you... A tremendous amount of credit being able to manage all of that stuff. I don't know. I don't know. If credit is the right word there because I just wasn't. I was doing what you were doing, but yeah. I wasn't. It wasn't showing successfully, so I had yeah. to do something. You still got through it. And... I mean, I was in the same hospital in a pulmonology rotation, and I would, you know, see Rob very often, and he was just studying while people are talking, and you know, just trying to focus on step two while all that goes going on. Yeah. That's not easy at all. Yeah. It was hard, but it was like I said. We, we find ways to manage. You do what you got to do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's okay. And that's another transition is we're going to have to do We do that all the time, just in maybe smaller or less obvious ways. Mm -hmm. There's always something that comes up. It was like I was saying, uh, these transitions, like you were saying, transitions between rotations and third year are very similar. 
because you show up to something totally new and you're like, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Well, how the best way to approach this is, but you figure it out. Yeah. I, I underestimated the transition to fourth year because I always, I saw third year while doing it as like the very hardest year. Like after this year, I'll be okay. And then came step two, away rotations and era submission, all back to back, which was like a very hardworking four or five months until era submission. I'm not going to lie to you. I think the ERAS admission process or submission process, when I was going through it, I made it very, like I chunked it, you know, I would one week do, I wouldn't like label it out. Today I'm doing two hours of ERAS. I would just, I should work on ERAS today. And then the next week I should work on ERAS today. And it was blanketed over many days as opposed to just the two days before spending your entire time dealing with ERAS. Right. And you and me being up together in Boston helped me we, with that a we, lot. We were, so... Because whenever you wanted to do it, I would have to do it. Whenever I wanted to do it, you would be doing yeah. it. Yeah, so it's so a little background on that. Um, the three of us are applying internal medicine for residency. Um, and then Rob and I did... Uh, he did three aways, right? Or you did four? I did three. I did, you did three Osceola, o- Boston, yeah. New York. Yeah. yeah, so I did two aways, and we overlapped in Boston. So we were able to be roommates together in Boston, which was... Uh, it was great. Yeah, it was it was nice and easy. Poor Miguel had to take the train to get to his hospital, though, since... It was amazing. <laughs> he, he definitely took one for the team on that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I figured it out. It was, it was good. Yeah, we had a great time. Um, yeah, I should have joined you guys. You should have. You should have. <laughs> Man, it's yeah. great. I, it made it. It was, it was great, because then when I went to my second away and I was all alone, I was like, oh, I had it so good. Yeah. It makes the getting into a new area much easier being with somebody. We even got into a slightly working out routine, but we didn't stick to it, really. But we stuck to, we had our our nightly routine where we would just bro a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You'd go to bed first because you're more responsible than me. Yeah. It it was cool. Miguel definitely helped me out a lot in Boston with the transition from Florida to moving somewhere where I've never lived before. Totally new place. Yeah, totally new place, totally new Program, totally new environment, yeah. totally difficult program. Yeah. From what we that totally, I think that totally helps to stay energetic after step two. Is like you're going to a new location and like, okay, now I'm trying out at this hospital, and you know, it's mm-hmm. it's like an exciting experience, even though you're also a little tired from all the studying. But and the tiredness shows, or the fatigue definitely shows towards the end. I was supposed to do three or an additional away after my New York away, also in New York, and I just decided to not do it because I wanted to come back because I was just. Not burnt out, but I didn't want to spend the money, and I also just wanted to come home. Just wanted to be in a home. Right? Yeah. So it's tough. Transitions are tough. Yeah. How about you, Justin? How do you feel after a step two exam and then having rotations <clears throat> um, between that and era submission? So for me, you know, getting done with step two was another milestone after everything that I had been through. Um, not having shelf exams to study for during the M4 year for me was life changing. <laughs> I'm sure it was for you guys. It allowed me to, you know, fully dedicate myself to my clinic duties. Uh, I didn't, I, the only away rotation I did, I don't know if you can even call it an away rotation, it was up in Boca. Um, definitely not, you know, like you guys, um, but it was good. It was good to experience new places, uh, meet different people, get a feel for how other hospitals do things. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good experience for me. Um, and transitioning into ERAS, I'm with Rob. Um, 
you know, it was more along the lines of today I'm going to work on ERAS. I'm going to focus on this section. And it was nice. Like, I remember when I was applying for medical school and going through AMCAS, I hated my life every single day. But for me, going through ERAS and filling out all my research, all my activities, it was exciting. Like, oh man, I'm finally here. This, like, is, all you, this is what you worked for, and I got to put it all exactly. into this so, application. And it's also really important throughout medical school when you do all these things and have all these accolades or positions or research projects to make a, a CV and just update it yeah. the whole time you go through it. Yeah. Because that's basically what ERAS is. And then once you get to ERAS, you just put what was in your CV in the application and you're good to go. And it is cool to see everything like, oh man, I really did a lot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. While studying my butt off mm -hmm. for shelf exams and for step and, you know, fundamentals exams. So you don't think about it. It's a really cool there. feeling. Yeah. When yeah, you I click, agree. you know, view ERAS C V and you're like, oh man. Yeah, they have a nice they have a nice C V template. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They got a nice C V template, I like it. Yeah. It was nice. I didn't really understand why the C V and the application where they like it was view ERAS application and then view ERAS CV. I'm like, these are the same. <laughs> so, where, oh, I thought the application one was like longer and the CV was like a little longer. truncated. Some, I guess, additional components to mm -hmm. it, but it's about the same. All I'm saying is I don't, I don't know why, why separate. Yeah. I think the part about ERAS that I probably postponed the most was my personal statement. Big time. You know, was, we, were, time. we were in August in Boston and I was like. How many times did you change it? Oh, I changed, well, I, in Texas, I, when I got to Texas that month after, I changed it quite a few times. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The, the first draft was horrendous. I changed it, yeah. Same. <laughs> I changed it at least two or three times. Um, yeah, I'm with, I'm with them. Um, Miguel, my, my first draft was also horrendous. Yeah, it was just good to get it on paper because then you just started the editing part and just like, you know, why it can be worded better, they might driving this idea properly, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, and then you do like little minor tweaks throughout the whole process, and you think that this word is better than that word, or I use this word too many times, or there's too many plurals in this sentence, and it's you, you overthink it, you really do. Yeah. And once you send it, you're really good to go. That's part of the thing with ERAS. Like I was also towards the last two three days, I just had I decided to submit like uh, two days before I wanted to because I just kept thinking over and over, and I said, okay, I just need to stop thinking and submit this this thing. So just ship it. Yep. Just just yeah, submit it, and then. See what happens. That's. I feel like everybody felt that way. We were texting each other a lot. Is this good? Is this good? Yeah. Are you guys submitting? Did you submit yet? No one wants to be the last one to submit. Yeah. <laughs> but one of us was. I don't know who it was. It might have been me. I think I submitted the day before. Yeah. One of the things transitioning to, to fourth years that M3 should probably think about is the finances. of M, At least the beginning of M4 years, away rotation, step two, and ERS applications can be financially stressful. Deeply. Financially stressful, and Airbnb, especially like New York, it's an expensive area. Oh yeah, and Airbnb, you should be prepared to spend four digits. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To just be ready. Yeah. You might have to take out another loan. <laughs> you you might have to, yeah. Um, Which is okay because this is all towards our professional development, right? Why not really put. Let future Miguel and future Justin deal with what present Miguel and present Justin are trying to do for that guy. Oh. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Yeah. And now we are post-ERS submission, so it's been a nice transition. 
because now we got, well, at least on my end, I got a lot more free time now, um, right after Eras. Um, I know Rob, you're doing an infectious disease rotation. And well, Justin, you had your internal yeah, medicine a lot, so you've been, you've been busier than, than the both of us. Definitely. Yeah, my IV rotation has been incredibly non-stressful, yeah. and I love it. You deserve it. So you deserve it. You need a rotation that's not going to stress you out. Yeah. I had radiology before, so oh, you're, okay. it, it was, was nice. <laughs> so, so you deserve a stressful rotation. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a we. It's give and take in fourth year. Yeah. Some of the rotations are going to be tough, and then you decide to take a break one, and then another tough rotation, and then an easier, less stressful rotations. Make it definitely right after you need some, yeah. You need to, to slow down a bit, mm -hmm. just worry about scheduling your interviews. And I mean, we're also saving a great amount of money because interviews are virtual mm -hmm. for our cycle. Mm -hmm. I wonder how long it's going to keep that, it's going to stay that way. It's cheaper for everybody, really. I mean, including the hospitals that are doing the interviewing. It's... Yeah, I wonder if hospitals are getting like over crowded with applications, though. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're getting way more applications than they normally get, because I mean, I'm so you don't have to fly to it. No, yeah, like, yeah. There's no reason you can just to log on Zoom and yeah. yeah. But then you know you miss out on getting the true feel for a program. So there's there's pros and cons. Yeah, there's there's extra interest, you know, because you you contemplate more canceling interviews if you do have to go in person, versus a Zoom interview. You're like, I don't really. You know, if I don't really want to go there, I don't really have to cancel it. I just have to show up on Zoom and, you know, go for the interview, right? Mm -hmm. now, of course, treat it as, don't don't treat it like poorly, you know, do well in the interview. But if you, if it was like back in the day, you have to consider like, okay, where I can't, you know, let's, I don't know, let's say you get, I don't know, 50 interviews, right? You can't just fly to 50 places. I mean, maybe you could, but it's super stressful because you got to stay there a day or two, you know, plane tickets, hotel, transports, you know, stressful and financial, stressful for you and financially stressful. It's true. And you can just do more with your time. I had an interview earlier, I think last week, and I, I went to my rotation in the morning and then I left and I did my interview in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. super easy. So I like that. And yeah, you don't have to worry about anything. Just whether you're going to wear pants that day. I guess I guess we'll see in the coming years if it stays virtual or not. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think? What, what other uh, what other points do you think are just a big transition or so in medical school? We've covered quite a few. Um, transitioning to medical school, yeah. to the to clerkship years, uh, to the beginning of the M four year, post eras. Um, I mean, everything in medical school, like we were saying, is really a minor transition. Between blocks, between years, or a theme of year, and between years and themselves, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. You learn you learn how to deal with transitions in medical school on accident. Hmm. Yeah, you learn to be adaptable on accident. You guys excited that residency is so close now? It's so far away when we were like in ones and twos, but now it's like uh, it's around the corner, sort of. Yeah, I mean sometimes it's hard to believe, you know, and. I often say the days go by slow, but the weeks go by fast, and the years go by even faster. So it's really hard to believe that not so long ago, you know, we were interviewing to get into med school, and here we are interviewing for residency. Yeah, so just put that into perspective, and you realize just how far we've come and how much we've achieved. 
Yeah, it's true. And how we're being recognized for these achievements. The interviews that we get, um, these interviews, you know, there are 4,000, 5,000 applications going out, and we're one of 200 uh, interview invitations. Mm -hmm. So what's that percentage? I don't even know. Like, yeah, it's pretty low. Yeah. So just the lower side. Feels good. It really does. And just even from a, a selfish perspective, it's good to know that all the, all the hard work that I put in, with the help of others, obviously, mm -hmm. is coming to fruition. Now, it's terrifying that I'm going to be responsible for people's well-being in the next, in the coming months. That's definitely scary, but it's something that I'm excited for. It's going to be fun. And that's what, I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to working with a bunch of people that feel the same way as me about it. That are going to be easy, they're not easy, but like very supportive. That they're going to be a team. That it's going to be a team. That everybody is in the same mindset. Let's take care of these patients. Let's do our best. Let's have fun doing it. So, I agree. And the first salary after medical school. <laughs> and that, and that. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's been a minute since we've gotten one of those. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we've talked about quite a few things. You know, let's just. Uh, few concluding points here um, so you know we've, we've talked quite a bit about transitioning to medical school um, how how to take on that change and adapt to you know the new grading how your standards are reshaped your disciplines reshaped your time management is reshaped um, what would you guys say to to your younger self knowing like what you know now like transitioning to medical school well first and foremost I would tell my younger self how proud of him I am having gone through everything and reaching this point. Um, that's you know very important to recognize your successes, recognize your achievements, because in this field, it's easy to get down on yourself. Um, so you, you have to give yourself credit when it's due. Wow, that was, that was pretty insightful there. Thanks, Justin. man. Yeah, thank you for <laughs> telling me to be proud of young me, because it's hard to, it's hard to be that sometimes or feel that. I guess my advice would be, just believe in yourself because you can do it. You got here. A lot of people believe in you. A lot of people support you. So believe in yourself. And you can really achieve many things. With a team and with belief in yourself, you'll be successful. That's my, that's my advice. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, you know, you can always reach out to somebody, whether it's at your school, whether it's a family member, um, you know, if I didn't have the support system that I had and have throughout this process, then I don't know where I would be today. And you're in a pretty good spot, so. Yeah. All right. Um, then we also talked a little bit uh, about transitioning to clerkship years. Mm. Yeah, and how it's definitely a technical to practical aspect. It's tough because you learn a lot. And now you're seeing, years. now you're involved with patients on a daily basis, right. as you weren't in uh, your didactic years. Like Justin said, you gotta really, you gotta really be passionate about what you're doing. You're doing it for the patients. Everything the past two years you've been doing to take care of patients. You work. remember, uh, I, I remember like second year, Dr. DeLeon was like, uh, third year is like, uh, what is it, like an amusement park, you know? Some like rides you'll like. Magic Kingdom. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Some of the rides you'll like, some you won't, so you just okay. gotta. Yeah. He, he actually said that OB is like the Magic Kingdom, like the best <laughs> park there is. That was actually my favorite rotation. Yeah, same. It has a 50% 50, 50 conversion rate. I loved OB. <laughs> Dr. Cohen was the man. He was. Mm -hmm. 
But I agree with him. And I really like his amusement park thing, too, because roller coasters are tumultuous just by nature. It's a good analogy. Yeah, but and they're also very exciting. Yeah, and so, so, like you said, some of the rides you'll really like, mm-hmm. some of the rides you won't like as much. So you just got to you know, pick the ride you, you want eventually. Yeah. And you're all tall enough to ride the ride because you all, you all got into medical school. So don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, it's the thing. You know, you have to, even if you don't want to, you sort of just have to do it. Like... It's, it's what's coming next. You just show up and deal with, with what comes if you're not sure. You know, like first day clerkship. Like, I'm just showing up at the hospital and let's see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Having a really open-minded thought process to most of your clerkships is really important. You don't want to waltz in being like, I have to do incredibly well on this rotation because I want to go into OB or psych or whatever it is. Because then you're going to psych yourself out. Just very much like, a, like an amusement park. Just waltz in, be happy with where you're at, just kind of take in the scenery, do your work, obviously, but just enjoy the ride. The ride's the funnest part. It it was fun. Stressfully fun. Stressful (laughs) and fun. Uh, And then then lastly, we talked about uh, transitioning to the beginning of four. Those those several months leading up to eras. And now we're all the post-eras and uh, seeing... um, how we do from now and going on to residency. Yeah, that transition from M3 to M4 was definitely a little easier, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. But then the transition from M2 to M3, M2 to M3, to M3, M3 was, a, was a big one, yeah. That was the biggest one. But there is still there was still a transition. We had you had to treat it as such. It's definitely different than M3. You are now responsible for a lot of what you're going to do next and you have to plan it. It takes a lot of you know, uh, well thought out Preparation takes a lot of grit, really, to especially to do these away rotations. I mean, yeah. Another factor I didn't add about transitioning to M4 years is that you have to finalize your choice of specialty. Like you have to make a decision. You know, you have time during M3, but now beginning M4, you you have a few months left to to make your final decision of what you're gonna do. And that's super stressful. Mm -hmm. What if you're between surgery and medicine? What? That's very stressful. They're very different tracks, though. Yeah. You choose based off of, you really, it's passion. It all comes down to what you like the best and what you think fits you the best. You know, not necessarily where you fit, but what is going to be best for you. What do you see yourself doing every single day? Exactly. All right. Well, well, thank you both. Thank you, Robert Trenchell and Justin Mark, sitting down here with me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, my pleasure.